And a very good evening to you. Welcome to The Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for being here with me. Coming up in today's broadcast, we take a look at the Jubilee of the Sick and Disabled. For now, though, do stick around as I bring you up to date with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond. Listen to Radio Veritas, 576 AM, 4HA. And in your headlines this Wednesday evening, recognize the Lord in refugees, the poor and the disabled, says Pope Francis. Pan-African Committee for Social Communications and World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Pirish. Continuing his series of Wednesday's Catechesis on Mercy, Pope Francis devoted his June 15 general audience to Christ's healing of a blind man. Lina Bodoni has more. Pope Francis reflected on Jesus' miracle of restoring sight to a blind beggar on the way to Jericho, as recounted in the Gospel of Luke, pointing out that until not long ago, a person with disability had no choice but to live on charity. That blind man, he said, represents the many people who even today are marginalized because of a disadvantage, be it a physical one or of other kind. And the street, he said, which should be a place of encounter, for him is a place of solitude. Per lui invece è il luogo della solitudine. The Pope said the image of the marginalized person is especially sad against the backdrop provided by the splendid city of Jericho, the promised land where the people of Israel arrived in after the exodus from Egypt. And recalling the words uttered by Moses on that occasion when he said God's people were not to harden their hearts or be blind to the presence of those in need, Pope Francis said, How often do we too feel annoyed when we see people in the streets who are sick or hungry? How often are we bothered by the sight of needy refugees and migrants? Quante volte noi, quando ci troviamo davanti di tanti profughi e rifugiati, sentiamo fastidio. God's word, he said, teaches us that indifference and hostility makes us blind and deaf stopping us from seeing our brothers, preventing us from recognizing the Lord in them. And referring to the fact that the blind man is the only one who recognizes Christ, who acknowledges his faith and restores his sight, the Pope said, Not only does the man now healed become a disciple of Jesus, but so do the people in the crowd now see. Their eyes are opened to the meaning of this encounter of mercy, and they give praise to God. And highlighting the fact that the Lord's passage is an encounter of mercy that brings us together and permits us to recognize our brothers who are in need of help and consolation. Francis said, During this Jubilee of Mercy, may we too open our eyes and hearts to God's love for the poor and to the gift of healing that he offers to all who turn to him in faith. I'm Linda Bordoni. 
The Pan-African Committee for Social Communications meeting held in Accra, Ghana last week concluded with a call to Catholic media professionals and practitioners in Africa to promote values for which Africa is known and cherished. Benedict Asoro has more. Yeah, the outcome is the first is the commitment of the bishops of Africa for the revival of uh, SEPAC, that is the committee of the bishops of, uh, in charge of communications on the continent of Africa. Now, the second aspect was to uh, encourage all the departments of SECAM to support communication activities by having a communication component in their budget and, and in the activity so that funds will be available for the communications office to be able to carry out the uh, activities of communities or the various departments or commissions of second secretariat. The other thing that the meeting came out was to express gratitude and thanks to uh, Catholic media professionals and practitioners throughout the continent for all that they are doing for the betterment, betterment of society. And they call it, uh, on the media professionals and practitioners to witness to their faith with courage the activities for the evangelization mission of the church in Africa. On Tuesday, the United Nations announced that a monitoring mission on South Sudan has been appointed by the Human Rights Council. It will assess the human rights situation in the country in order to establish facts in support of transitional justice, accountability, reconciliation and healing. Dian Pen has more. South Sudan gained independence in July 2011, making it the world's youngest nation. However, the country plunged into violence and chaos following political infighting between President Salva Kiir and his former Vice President Riek Machar in December 2013. The formation of a transitional unity government in April of this year was welcomed by the UN Security Council as an important milestone. The Commission on Human Rights in South Sudan will provide guidance to the government and will engage with international and regional bodies to promote accountability for human rights violations and abuses. Its members are Yasmin Suka, a leading human rights lawyer from South Africa, who served on her country's Truth and Reconciliation Commission, American Kenneth Scott, a researcher on South Sudan with Amnesty International, and Godfrey M. Musila, a legal consultant from Kenya. And finally, according to the UN independent human rights expert Rosa Confield Matem, one in ten older persons is abused every month. Rosa Mate is urging people to report suspected cases of what she calls this widespread and serious human rights violation. Her comments come in a statement for World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, observed this Wednesday, 15th June. Dian Pen has more. Elder abuse includes physical violence, sexual or emotional abuse, abandonment, neglect, as well as financial or other types of exploitation. It can take place in various settings, but often at home, and affects older people from all socioeconomic groups. Ms. Cornfield Mata warns that insufficient action is being taken to stop elder abuse and that most cases go undetected. She gave examples of warning signs such as unexplained bruises, lack of medical care, malnutrition or dehydration, unexplained changes of alertness and sudden changes in finances and accounts. And that was a brief look at some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond today.
You're still with Catholic View on Radio Veritas, 576am, otherwise on 870 DSTV Audio Bouquet, and I'm Shayla Pitch. Thank you so much for being here with me. Coming up next, we bring our feature, as today we take a look at the Jubilee of the Sick and Disabled. Part of the extraordinary Jubilee of Mercy, Pope Francis celebrated Mass on June 12 for participants in the Jubilee of the Sick and Disabled. Pope Francis called for solidarity and mutual acceptance in a world in which a perfect appearance has become an obsession as well as a big business. Linda Bodoni has more. Reminding the faithful that even sickness, suffering and death are taken up in Christ and in him find their ultimate meaning, Pope Francis said that each of us, sooner or later, is called to face, at times painfully, frailty and illness, both our own and those of others. And he said it is thought that sick or disabled persons cannot be happy since they cannot live the lifestyle held up by the culture of pleasure and entertainment. In an age, he said, when care for one's body has become an obsession and a big business, anything imperfect has to be hidden away since it threatens the happiness and serenity of the privileged few and endangers the dominant model. Nell'epoca in cui una certa cura del corpo è divenuta mito di massa. And warning against a culture that believes that such persons should best be kept apart in some enclosure, even a gilded one, or in islands of pietism or social welfare, so they do not hold back the pace of a false well-being. The Pope said it is an illusion when people today shut their eyes in the face of sickness and disability, because they fail to understand the real meaning of life, which also has to do with accepting suffering and limitations. The world, he said, does not become better because only apparently perfect people live there. But when human solidarity, mutual acceptance and respect increase, and he pointed out that suffering is not only physical but also spiritual, and saying that happiness can be expressed in any number of ways and attained only if we are capable of loving, Pope Francis said it is always a matter of love. There is no other path. Amare nonostante tutto. The true challenge, he said, is that of who loves the most, how many disabled and suffering persons open their hearts to life again as soon as they realize they are loved. Jesus, he reminded us, is the physician who heals with the medicine of love, for he takes upon himself our suffering and redeems it. The way we experience illness and disability, he said, is an index of the love we are ready to offer, and the way we face suffering and limitation is the measure of our freedom to give meaning to life's experiences, even when they strike us as meaningless and unmerited. So let us not be disturbed, the Pope concluded, by these tribulations. We know that in weakness we can become strong and receive the grace to fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for his body, the Church, which carries its wounds, the mark of a hard struggle, but they are wounds, he said, transfigured forever by love. Sono piaghe trasfigurate per sempre dall'amore.
Commission on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities celebrates its 10th anniversary this year. The convention is among the most widely ratified international treaties, with 164 countries committing to prohibit discrimination against citizens with disabilities. Addressing participants, Ambassador Oh Yoon, the conference president, said the meeting provides an opportunity to reflect on lessons learned over this period and that the international community has made significant steps in advancing the implementation of the convention. Indeed, we have reasons to celebrate, but we are also aware that we can do better. In order to achieve the goals of the convention, and make the rights a reality for all persons with disabilities in their lives on the ground, we must work harder and work together to ensure equal opportunities for all persons with disabilities in all aspects of development and society. That was Ambassador Oh Yoon, the president of the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which was adopted in 2006 and came into force two years later. This year's conference will address the global development promise of leaving no one behind. Mrs. Teresia Ralincha works at the Ratanang Group for Children with Multiple Disabilities at Chris Honey Baraguanath Hospital, Soweto. In this interview, Mrs. Teresia Ralincha shares her life journey as a mother of a kid with cerebral palsy, otherwise known as CP. <laughs> Let's talk about Tabo. Let's talk about giving birth to Tabo and what was your first reaction upon giving birth to Tabo and when you discovered that Tabo has CP, what was your reaction and how did you take it? Uh, Tabo was born 31 years ago here at Trishani, Paraguayas. Like every parent, you're expecting a normal child that can play and do things for himself when he grow up. But when they tell me that Tabo has disability and they tell me that the head is small and he's got brain damage, I couldn't understand anything of that. I said to them, if the, the brain is damaged, can you fix it? And they used to send me to the physiotherapist and I thought that they were, they were going to put him on the machine and everything would be fine. But things were not like that. And I found out that the therapist, they are going to help me to help my son to sit, to stand and to communicate with him even if he cannot speak. So I, I was not happy. I was asking myself a lot of questions, why me, why me, why me? And the support from the family that the one who helped me to get through. My sister was a nursing sister by that time and he helped me a lot and gave me support and invited the other family members to, to understand that this is all our responsibility is not uh, Teresia's uh, responsibility. But on the side of the father, it was very, very hard 
because they couldn't accept him. Say, where did you take uh, from the child like this? In our family, we don't have uh, children with disabilities. Maybe you bring it from somewhere. And it hurts me a lot, a lot. They were not supportive, but that time, my, my family was the one who was helping me. And until we used to, to, to bring our children here at Krishani Paragonath for, for physio, you just bring him, but that time we still have that open gap that says, why me, why me? Until we had a, a support group and we started sharing our problem. Uh, most of the mothers, we share our problem and we start laughing at ourselves. The other mothers will tell you, I did sleep on the top of the mountain for the whole night, waiting for ancestors to come and heal my child. Pillar to post to uh, using all this stuff that you think will help your child. But uh, the thing that, uh, that helped me too is prayer. I remember the first time I started to pray for him, I took him to Blessed Gerard's grave uh, at the end of the novena. The ninth day I went to put him on this grave and I prayed and I prayed and I said to him, please heal my child. And after that, there was this moment of silence from me and after that it came something that tells me that uh, just ask for one thing God to help me to love this child and accept everything that is going on with him and from that day I never wanted to go anywhere to do anything any, uh, any advice from anybody because if somebody come and tell me that there is somebody who can help I said, if he was Tabo, the whole of this world that is got this disability, then I can go pillar to post. But if there are people who are like him, it means it's God's creation, the way God wanted him to be. And also to me, it was an eye-opener that I must do something for people with, with disabilities. Then we started a, a daycare uh, here at Krishani where we look after these children. And I grow and I grow. But the last resort, it was spread. Then spread also helped me that children with disabilities, they can also pray. They can also have communion like any any other like anybody in the community or in the parish then from there yeah i lived our life to the fullest giving birth to tabo actually led you to start something beautiful not just for tabo alone but for other children or other kids with disability and thanks to tabo you were inspired to do this and to help other mothers so prayer also contributed a lot now a lot, a lot. 
talk to us about raising Tabo after you've accepted who Tabo is and after you have come to terms with what has happened and you have decided now to open a daycare. Today, Tabo is 31 years old. Talk to us about raising him up to where he is today. Oh, although it's not very easy, but if you, you, you got the support because I have to wash him, to make him clean every day, to feed him, to nappy change him, to know when he's happy, when he's sick. Uh, that things that come very easily if you, 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 you do it with love, you know, everything will come the way God maybe said the things straight for you. Then yeah, I'm I'm doing I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. And even if the, uh, I I'm sick, I know that the, the family members, even the small children, they know that Tabo doesn't eat this, eat this, and how to feed him. Everybody knows what he wants every day, every time. And how is it in terms of your relationship with Tabo, yours and the family? Has your husband's family come to accept Tabo? How's the relationship today? Now maybe they, they, they understand. They, they accept him. Although the, his father now dies uh, last year. Since he left Tabo when he was two years or four years. I don't remember. But and until he died, he never see Tabo. And I went to him when he was sick, and I told him how I feel. I, I told him that I, I forgive you for what you have done to me, but I want to forgive you. But there is one thing. You never ask me how Tabo is, how he's growing. Is that because he's got disability? He couldn't answer me. But yeah, he, he didn't give me such support and nothing until until he died. Until he died, he never gave me support. But the the auntie and the grandmother, they always uh, they are concerned now. They are, where is Tabo? Bring him home because they are in the soon to bring him, come with him. No, they are only concerned now. But there was other uh, auntie who was used to give me support and also passed on. So she was the one who gave me strength in the family. And Tabo father fight. Coming back to kids with disabilities and the day center that you have, do you think it, we need more of such centers where parents will receive counseling as to what type of a child they've given birth to and how to deal with the situation and also to avoid separations because of giving birth to a child with disabilities? Do you think uh, we need to do more of this, maybe from a church perspective? You know, through, uh, through spread, uh, I think it's easy for, for, for me to reach out for, 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 for parents because even I'm, even I'm at church, they, everybody will approach me with uh, 
it doesn't matter what kind of disability that the, the family member has. They will also uh, come to me and talk to me about it and say, let me go and make a home visit and see that person or the family. And in, in, in my uh, daycare, we, we used to have parents meeting or Christmas party and we, we don't invite only mothers. We said we need the family. Sometimes you will come granny, auntie, uncle, and some. And when they come, it's where we start talking to them, or they I can they can make an appointment, and I'll I'll be with them. I'll be with them for for and share my experience and my challenges because. They also come and said, "Is my child going to be okay?" And the doctor said, "She, she, she will be okay, or he will be okay after two months." And they asked me, "How old is Tabe?" And I said, "He's thirty-one." They asked me, "You've been waiting for for him to to recover?" I said, "Spiritually and mentally, he recovers. It's just the body that." Uh, look like that but spiritually emotionally everything is there it's just that I have to accept him the way God gave me so we used to have support groups uh, and meetings and yeah, even here at Barra if they, they have got parents who have difficulties the, the therapist will come and call me to talk to the young mothers some are, are still young maybe uh, 15 years has a, a, a child with disability then i'll start uh, helping them because our aim of the daycare center is that to help mothers to go back to school who are wishing to study those who are working to go back to work so that we will look after the child for them so that they continue because through that we, we have a one nursing sister who was not, uh, not working. She was staying with the child at home. She was always crying. But as soon as we take the child and take care of the, his child and he go back to school and study, today, as I'm talking to you, he's a nursing sister. I'm also available anytime to parents who who knows. Uh, especially that it's better for, for for parents to talk to other parents who have walked that way. So it's easy for, for, for me to, to communicate, to share with them, to understand if the, uh, the mother is still on denial. I know what is denial is. I won't judge because I know I've been there. Wow, I have to commend you for a job well done. You're doing a lot to lots of parents, um, even to us uh, who have never experienced raising a kid with disabilities. We are learning a lot from you. And I thank you for sharing your story with us right here on Catholic View. Thank you, Cheryl. Before I let you go, sh should people uh, want to get in touch with you, how can they contact you? My contact number is the cell phone uh, 083-396-1978. And the, the phone number for, for my center is 011-933-1860.
I'd like to thank once again Mrs. Teresia Relincha, who works at the Ratanang Group for Children with Multiple Disabilities at the Chris Honey Baragwanath Hospital in Soweto, for inspiring us and for sharing with us her precious moments, for sharing with us her life journey raising Tabo. And this has been your Wednesday's edition of the Catholic Viewer program produced and presented by Shayla Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that I'll be back again tomorrow at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Shayla Pirsch.